Would you pray with me over this message before we get started? Lord, I just thank you for bringing us all here today. I thank you that none of us are here by accident, that you brought each of us to hear something from you. Um, And Lord, we know that even in the worship service, you were here and you were speaking. And so Lord, we pray that you continue to speak. I pray that um, as we're going to look at today, we look to your word, not to human wisdom, not to human opinions, but that your word speaks this morning and that each of us leave here having truly been changed by your word. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, guys, we're finishing up the armor of God this morning. Um, I hope that this has been not just encouraging, but a little challenging for each of you to understand that we are called to be soldiers. We're not called to just survive. We're not just called to make it through the day, but we're actually called to be doing battle. And if you even get that much out of it, that's a good start because for a lot of us, That's where we need to get to is just understanding, man, we are in a war. So I'm not going to recap all of them. Um, You can go back and listen, but we talked about the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. And we're finishing it off today. And as we've been doing in this whole series, I'm going to start with just uh, a phrase, some sort of idea, and then we're going to look at what Scripture says about it. So today... Here's what I want to start with. A perfect weapon in the hands of a skilled soldier can overcome any adversary. A a perfect weapon in the hands of a skilled soldier can overcome any adversary. Now, I love talking about the 90s. You guys know that. I grew up and my favorite TV show was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Anyone else willing to admit that that was like... Okay, we got a couple. You know what's funny is that it's still popular today. It's, it's really interesting. But I, I learned something the other day that I thought was really interesting. Is that those of you who don't know, I'll give a quick explanation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was four of them and they each had a specific weapon that they got to use. Most of you know that. But I saw a theory that Splinter, who was their leader, I won't get deep into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles lore this morning, but Splinter was their leader, gave them each their weapon specifically because it was the opposite of their personality and it would challenge them and force them to grow. So if you think about it, you have Donatello, He wore the purple headband, for those of you who know. He was the most tech-savvy. He loved technology. You guys know what weapon he got? He got a stick. He got a bow. Just like nothing to it. The simplest weapon on the face of the planet. He didn't get any of the fun technology-type weapons. He had the bow. Then you have Raphael, red. He was the most angry. He had a big anger problem and he got given weapons that were basically only defensive weapons. He got given the size and they were really just made to defend against sword attacks. They're not very good at hurting people. They're very good at defending against attacks because he was the one that wanted to be the most aggressive. So he got given the weapon that was the most unaggressive of weapons. And you have Donatello who was the leader. He wore the blue headband. He was the most empathetic he was the least likely to hurt. He wanted to have, have the most, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to do this calm and we want to find a good way to do this. He got given the most dangerous weapons. He got given swords, the ones that were most likely to do real damage to people. He got given those. 
And then you get to my favorite. Michelangelo was my favorite. Orange headbands. He was the cool guy, man. Kawabunga. That was Michelangelo. He was the most carefree, whatever goes, man. And he got given the nunchucks. And for those of you who don't know, nunchucks are the hardest weapon to use. In fact, the average person, even someone who's trained in martial arts, is more likely to hurt themselves with nunchucks than hurt somebody else because they are so technically advanced. You have to really know what you're doing. And if you want to know that, just look up YouTube videos of people hurting themselves with nunchucks because they're all over. Because if you don't really know what you're doing, if you have not really devoted yourself to the use of that weapon, you are more likely to hit yourself than somebody else. So that got given to the most carefree, whatever goes man, cowabunga person because it forced him to train and be disciplined. But here's the funny thing about nunchucks. They're incredibly hard to use. But if you know how to use them, they're actually almost impossible to defend against. Because whereas other weapons, you can see where they're coming and they have to come at a certain trajectory, nunchucks don't really follow any of those same laws. They kind of come from anywhere. And so if someone actually knows how to use them, they are unbelievably effective. The challenge is getting yourself to actually be able to use it. And this goes back to our, our main point here is, A perfect weapon in the hands of a skilled soldier is almost impossible to overcome. Now, why am I talking about the Ninja Turtles this morning? I'm going to bring you to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. This is what it says. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're talking about weapons this morning. And this is the first time we've been talking about the armor of God. And it's all been defensive. It's all been armored to protect you when we're finally getting to the weapon, the sword of the spirit. And we're talking about how to use a precision weapon, how to use a weapon that takes actual training to use. Because as I've said, all of these are going to relate to the Roman armor. That was the armor of the day that Paul would have been talking about. And so if you look at the Roman sword, which is what he would have been referring to, it was called the gladius. It was actually known as the sword that conquered the world. And so to give you a visual of it, it was a double-sided sword. It was actually not that long. You would probably look at it and think, that's not a sword. Because we tend to think of like the Middle Ages and like English big swinging swords. The gladius was probably only about that big. And it was incredibly sharp and double-sided. And it was used for close quarters combat. So, so we talked about with the shield of faith, they would kind of make a wall and, and the other army would have to break through. And so they would have spears that they would kind of stab at people from behind the shield. But if that broke, if it was time for close quarters combat, they would pull out the gladius. And that's why it was short, is it was made to be incredibly effective at all different kinds of ranges. And so if you have a really big sword, if someone gets in close, you can't swing it anymore. But the gladius was short and very maneuverable. It was made to be used by a very, very skilled soldier. Because it was double-sided, it could, be, it could come at a lot of different angles. It could be used to stab. It could be used to slash. It was an incredibly versatile sword, as I said, that was known as the sword that conquered the world. That's the gladius. That's what we're looking at today. And the Bible says it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now here's where we need to address the confusion because do you guys remember the belt? 
The belt of what? Truth. Well, what is truth? I'm going to bring you to John chapter 17, verse 17. This is Jesus talking. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus himself is saying, so truth is the word of God. How can the belt and the sword both be the word of God? And we kind of talked about this when we talked about the belt is that how are those the same? I've never interchanged a belt and a sword in my life and thought good enough that that matches. But here's where it's, it's so important that we get this is do you guys know that there's more to the word of God than just knowing it? You have to know it or else you can't go anywhere else. But it's more than just knowing what the word of God says. I'm gonna bring you to James chapter one, verse 22. And this is what it says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. What I love about the book of James, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it because James is like that book where he doesn't pull any punches. You don't ever read the book of James and go, I wonder what he meant by that. James, you know exactly what he means. And this is why he's like, don't just listen to the word of God. Don't just know what the word of God says. You have to actually do it. And here's where we see the difference between the belt and the sword. Is, is the, the belt is what you actually get your sword from. If you don't have your belt, there's no place for you to pull your sword out of. And so the belt is knowing the word of God. You have to know the word of God. But then the sword is when you actually start to act on the word of God, where the word of God actually starts to change how you live your life. Now, you can't do that if you don't know it. So again, I'm not saying it's not a big deal to know the Bible. You have to know the Bible. But once you do, you can't stop there. It's not about head knowledge. It's about truly starting to live your life and acting on what you know about the word of God. That is your sword. That's when you start to actually do damage to the enemy. See, you just knowing the word of God doesn't damage the enemy. But when you start to act on the word of God, when your life starts to reflect the word of God, when you start to really do what the word of God says, now you are truly doing damage to the enemy. The belt holds the sword but you have to actually draw your sword to do damage. And that is the result of doing what the word of God says. But again, I'm gonna be clear. I'm gonna repeat myself. You gotta know what the word of God says before you can do what the word of God says. And that's why it's so important. And you're gonna get tired of me hearing it, but us reading our Bibles, us knowing what the Bible says, even though it's a little scary and it's a little intimidating for most of us, is so important because you can't do what the Bible says if you haven't taken the time to know what the Bible says. You can't draw your sword from a belt that you don't have on. That doesn't work very good. And so when you start actually acting out the word of God, saying, hey, I read this, I know this, and now my life is gonna truly reflect this. I'm gonna change how I live my life based on what I read in here. Now you're actually doing damage to the enemy. You're actually being an offensive soldier in the kingdom of God. That is your sword. Now here's something to know about the sword of the spirit. I'm gonna bring you to Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. And this is again where we can see the Bible clearly say that the word of God is a sword. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes 
of the heart. So here's what you have to understand, and this is especially why it is related to the Roman gladius, is that the word of God as a sword is a precision weapon. It's very, very sharp. It, it is meant to be used by a skilled soldier. And, and in Hebrews chapter four, if you look at, at the words that it's using, it's almost talking about it as like a scalpel, like a surgeon's scalpel of like, there needs to be skill involved. There needs to be practice and training involved in using that. Like if, if there was a surgeon that was like, I don't know, I've never really done this before, but let me just give it a shot and see how it goes. You'd be like, don't get that scalpel anywhere near me. Like you need to know what you're doing. You need to have some skill and some training to this. And when we look at the word of God as a weapon, which we should, we have to understand that it is a precision weapon. It's a weapon that requires some training. Now, please do not hear that if you do not have a theological degree, you're not allowed to use the word of God because that is not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that we have to view it as something very sharp, very powerful, that we've been given this, this weapon that is powerful and sharp. And just like if you had a sword that was razor sharp and you had to like move it, you would probably be careful. You'd probably watch and pay attention. You have to have that same respect for the word of God. You have to understand the power that the word of God is. And I think for some of us, if we were to be honest about, well, why don't, why do we struggle to read the Bible? And why, why is it? It might be because it's intimidating. It might be because we don't know how to read it, but it might also be that we've just kind of lost the respect for the power of it, that, that we, we don't understand that this word of God that we have is this amazingly sharp, powerful weapon that is able to do some amazing things in this world if we choose to walk it out. Now, this is where it gets interesting. And this is where I wanna, I wanna explain a little bit Old Testament, New Testament with you guys. So do you guys know the Old Testament... Before Jesus, the word of God was what we call the law, right? Have you guys kind of heard that terminology before? And the law was follow the rules. Do this, don't do that. That's my, that was his covenant with his people is I give you the law and you follow them. And if you follow my law, I bless you. That was the covenant of God and his people. And what that was, was looking forward to Jesus. And this is where we celebrate at Christmas because Jesus fulfilled the law, which made, which gave us the gospel. I'll put it that way. And the gospel was, was a new covenant with God's people. And so the word of God there's a different relationship, Old Testament versus New Testament, because in the New Testament, Jesus has fulfilled the law, okay? And so that's where, if we read in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, this is Paul talking about the Old Testament law versus the gospel of the New Testament. He says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscious of our sin. And Paul goes on to explain basically the law of the Old Testament was there to show us that we in ourselves and our own righteousness aren't good enough. And now since Jesus fulfilled the law for us, we have this gospel, this new covenant that we can have the righteousness of Jesus now that we've been shown by the law that we could not do it ourselves. So why am I giving you this, this theological lesson of law and gospel? Well, here's what's really interesting when it comes to swords. 
So the swords that were used in the Old Testament, the Israelites used when, if you're thinking of like Joshua conquering uh, Jericho and things like that, they did not use double-edged swords. They used uh, what are called basically sickle swords. And they kind of got this technology from Egypt because they were slaves to the Egyptians for a long time. So when they left, they kind of used their technology. And it was a sword that basically you had a handle and it would kind of jet forward a little bit and then it would swirl and it was kind of bent like this. And it was only sharpened on the front side. You really couldn't stab anybody with it because it was kind of bent. You didn't have the right kind of force. It was made out of bronze. So it really didn't stay that sharp. It didn't, they didn't have the technology of the Romans. And so basically all you could do is you lifted the sword up really high and you just came down as hard as you could. And, and you could come at a few different angles, but you were incredibly limited at what you could use the sword for. It was just brute force. It was just, I'm going to smash you over and over with this. And the sword was a little blunt. It was really heavy. It didn't involve a ton of skill. It was honestly just brute strength of beating people with it. And I think that's actually a pretty good view of what the law was. And, and maybe you guys have experienced other Christians giving you the word of God in that way. And you're just like getting beat over the head with it. And it's not being used as a precision sword. And that's kind of what the law was. It was this, do this, be better. You're not good enough. And when Jesus fulfilled the law, we now have this gospel that is sharp, that is, that is precision, that's able to separate that, that we are given this sword. Now you might be saying right now, I don't think that I'm the right person to be wielding something that sharp, right? I would say that. Like if someone's like, here you go, here's a razor sharp sword. Why don't you go play with it? I'd be like, I'm the wrong person to give this to. I'm gonna either hurt myself or hurt somebody else. Here's what is so important about this. Number one, before we even get there, I want to give you another really interesting fact about the Roman sword. Is of the, the armor of the Romans, the sword was the only weapon that was effective for both offense and defense. Every single other piece of armor was either for offense or was for defense. Because the Roman would have other weapons. He would have a spear, they would have darts, they would have arrows. Um, and we went through all the other armor and it was either this is made to protect you or this is made to do damage. The sword was the only weapon in which if you were effective, if you were skilled, if you were trained, it was both offensive and defensive. And we see this in the Bible. I read to you John chapter 17, where Jesus said, my word is truth or your word is truth. Let me read that to you in context. This is him actually praying to God in John chapter 17. So this is John 17, 15 through 17. He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And here we even see that the word of God is a protection measure. And that's, that's why if you look at this sword and you understand the skill involved in using it, that it is this weapon that is double-sided. It can come at a lot of different angles. You can stab, you can slash, but it's now offensive and defensive and you have the ability to really do damage with it. As I said before, you might be going, mm, I'm probably not the right person to wield this. I probably should not even be wielding it, but 
Here's where it's so exciting. Why do you think it's called the sword of the spirit? And here's where I'll tell you there's an amazing promise given to us when it comes to the word of God in the New Testament. This is Jesus again talking, and this is what he says in John chapter 14, verse 26. He says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. This is this amazing promise we have as Christians that Jesus said, here's what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to come. And the Holy Spirit is going to not only help you understand what you're reading, he's, not, he's going to help you understand all that I've said, but at the right time, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of what I said for the situation that you're in. That's why it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is that the Spirit helps us wield this. If we're staying in step with the Spirit, which that's all the way back to our Fruit of the Spirit um, series, we have the Spirit of God helping us wield this sword the way that we need to. And here's the truth is, if you're going to have something that sharp, and that dangerous, and that powerful, you need a teacher. You need someone to help you wield this. And as much as I want to help you as your pastor to understand this, I will never be able to take the place of the Holy Spirit in your life, helping you understand what you're reading, because I can't be with you every step of the way. When you are at work, and somebody is, let's say, accusing you of something that you didn't do, and you just want to tell them off or whatever. I can't be there like the Holy Spirit can to remind you of that verse you read last week and help you understand how that verse relates to exactly what you're going through right now. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Not only will the Holy Spirit help you understand, but while you're, while you're living life, when you're in the midst of it, the Holy Spirit will help guide you, remind you of the verses that you've read. The things that even as a child, you're like, man, I don't even know when I read this. But all of a sudden, this verse is coming to my mind exactly in the situation I'm in right now. That's why it's the sword of the Spirit is you have a teacher. You have someone guiding you in the skill of how to use this. Because when it comes to a precision weapon, different Different strategies are going to be required depending on the circumstance that you're in. You see, the law was easy. I lift it up and I swing it down. I tell you how it goes and bam, you don't need a different strategy. You're like, here's what I use this sword for. If I have a sickle sword, I lift it up in the air and I swing it down. But when you have a precision weapon, when it's double-sided and razor sharp and it's offensive and defensive, now you need to actually listen to, to the Holy Spirit, to know the strategies. How do I use the word of God in the situation that I'm in right now? And that brings me to kind of my last point that I want to make here. And, and this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And it says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what that verse is saying is that the word of God, if you have scripture, you are thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. Meaning whatever circumstance you find yourself in, whether you need to teach, whether you need to correct, whether you need to train, whatever, if it's offensive, defensive, if you have the word of God, you are thoroughly equipped for every circumstance you're in. How many of you guys really think, think about that on a daily basis? It's like, no matter what I walk into today, if I have the word of God, I am thoroughly equipped. I have everything I need. I am ready for whatever life throws at me because I have the word of God. That's what scripture says. And I think that's interesting that as we're looking at the armor of God, the sword is the only weapon listed. And as I said, the Roman soldier would have had more weapons than this. Their spear was their first weapon. They, the average Roman soldier would use his spear well before he would even use the sword. It's not even listed here because what God is trying to get us at is this is the only weapon you need. If you have the word of God, if you know how to use it, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, if you've, if you've been taught and helped by the Holy Spirit as you're reading, you are equipped for every situation that you are in. Paul's telling us here, the only weapon you need is the sword. And remember that you do not fight against people. I want to bring you to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. This is what it says. It says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Here's something I want to make sure you know is that there's a temptation among us as Christians to fight the way the world fights and to use the weapons that the world uses. And so it's really easy for us to get into these circumstances where we're battling and maybe we're even losing and we, we see the word of God and we think that's not enough. And we start to use other weapons. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's manipulation or, or maybe it's, it's people pleasing or maybe it's lying or, or whatever the world uses to get what they want, to win battles. We all have our, our little weapons that, that we use to try to get our way, to try to make things fall in our favor. And what the Bible tells us is we don't need to use all those. We don't have the weapons that the world has. But what it says is that the weapons that we have, which is the word of God, is actually able to demolish strongholds. And what that means is a stronghold is like a fort. So if you think of like, if there's a war going on, each army will create like forts. And these are these places where they can supply their troops and have like a good foothold in that area. And basically the Bible says the weapons that we have are able to not just destroy entire forts, but wipe them off the map. That word, word demolished is to make it as if they were never there. So if someone came by, they wouldn't even know there was a stronghold there in the first place. That's the power of the weapons that we have. But we have to choose to use the weapons that God wants us to. And as we can clearly see here, it's the word of God. Not just knowing it, but acting on it. As it when we as Christians allow the Holy Spirit to help us understand the word of God as we read it and each other, and, you know, you're going to have friends, and yes, please ask me if you don't understand something. But the promise is that the Holy Spirit is also going to help you as you take the time to read it. And then allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in truly changing how you live your life, starting to act this out as you read it, you do it in your life. You're actually demolishing strongholds. You're doing real damage to the enemy. 
And that is what we are called to do. Those are the weapons that we have been given. And once again, as I said, and I'm just going to say it again, I'm going to read the verse. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you don't know who your enemy is, you're not going to use the right weapon. And so if we still think that we're fighting against people, we're fighting against politics, we're fighting against circumstances, we're fighting against all of these physical things, we are not going to use the right weapons. We're going to use the weapons of the world. But once we truly understand the battle is always in the spiritual realm, there's, there's forces, there's spiritual battles going on, and that's the real enemy, and that's the one who we've been given these weapons for, we're going to understand that the word of God is what we need. That the word of God, when paired with the Holy Spirit, helping us understand it and helping us live it out is what is going to wipe these enemies off the map. And that's why I started with and I'll finish with a perfect weapon in the hands of a skilled soldier can overcome any adversary. Here's, here's the, the real deal is that the word of God, as many of you guys know, is a weapon that's hard to know how to use. That's why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, because he knew that it's hard to use the word of God. It's hard to understand it. There's a lot that we need help with as we read it. And that's why God said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, who's going to help you understand, who's going to teach you these things, and is going to remind you as you live out your life, what you read. And so today, as I close, I just want to ask you guys a few questions that I'd love you guys to just kind of chew on and think through. Is how good have you been at identifying the enemies that you're fighting? Most of you guys are in some kind of battle right now. And if you're not, that's awesome. I celebrate with you. But most of us are like, there's some way that we feel like we're in a fight. How good have you been at truly identifying the real enemy in that fight and really understanding who it is you're fighting against? Have you been trying to win these battles with weapons other than the weapons that God wants you to fight? Have you been trying to use the same weapons that the rest of the world uses to fight these battles? Or are you truly fighting them with the sword of the Spirit? And how skilled do you think you are at wielding the word of God? And again, I want to be clear. I'm not telling you that you all need to go out and get a theology degree. You need to, though, be willing to read the Bible with humility, asking the Holy Spirit to help you understand what you're reading, to have friends that you can bounce ideas off of, and be willing to say, Holy Spirit, you are allowed to tell me how my life should be changing with everything that I read in the Bible. Because that's when you really start to, to wield that sword and do damage to the enemy is when you start to walk out the word of God in your life. But I'm going to be honest, you can have the best pastor on the face of the planet, which, by the way, you don't have the best pastor on the face of the planet. But even if you did, you would need the Holy Spirit to do this. This is why Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit, to help you understand, to help you walk this out. But I promise you, that is what the enemy is scared of. The enemy is not scared of a lot of the other things that we take pride in as Christians, but 
if the enemy saw you and said, oh my goodness, they are reading the Bible with humility, asking the Holy Spirit to teach them what it means and allowing the Holy Spirit to tell them how they need to change their life based on what they're reading, that scares the enemy because that's a weapon that is capable of demolishing strongholds of the enemy. And the good news is that we have been given the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew this and he gave us everything we need to wield this weapon skillfully. And a perfect weapon in the hands of a skilled soldier can overcome any adversary. And so if you guys will stand, I wanna pray with you as we close. Lord, I thank you for the sword of the spirit. God, I thank you that you have not left us defenseless. God, that not only have you given us all this armor, but you've given us a weapon that is unbelievably powerful, able to overcome the adversaries that we have. But Lord, we know that God, this is a weapon that, that takes effort to wield. That Lord, we need, to, we need to be in your word and allow the Holy Spirit to, to teach us and guide us. And, and Lord, we need to allow your Holy Spirit to remind us, Lord, as we're living life and as we're getting ready to fall back into the same patterns and the same habits, Lord, that we need your Holy Spirit to remind us of what your word says. Remind us of, of Jesus, what you said when you were here on the earth at just the right time so that we can start to truly act this out and live this out in our life, Lord. Lord, we want to be soldiers that are doing damage to the enemy, that are truly furthering your kingdom and pushing back the gates of hell. But Lord, we know that we can't do that with human weapons. We can't do that with our intelligence. We can't do that with any of the things that we, we tend to look to in our life to solve our problems. Lord, we, we need your word. We need it to be real in our lives. We need to know it and we need to act on it. And we need to allow it to change it our lives. And Lord, I just thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit for that. that, that you have promised the Holy Spirit will help us as we read to understand and, and teach us, Lord God, but also to, to convict us of areas of our life that don't line up with what your scripture says and give us the, the strength and the conviction to change and to live your word out in our life, Lord God. God, I pray over everybody here this morning, Lord, that, that they would be soldiers, that they would be the soldiers of, of your army that the enemy is truly concerned with, Lord, and that is doing battle in the spiritual realm, Lord God. I thank you for the protection that you give us. I thank you for the weapons that you give us, Lord, that we're not alone in how we do this, Lord God. Lord, we love you, and I cannot wait to, to have your Holy Spirit guide each of us in how to better live your word out in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.